At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Today, we're going to be learning that our big idea is that the heart matters. The heart matters. And so what does that mean? Uh, obviously, like our, heart, our beating heart inside our chest really matters, uh, but within our faith life with Jesus, it matters even more. Um, to kind of go into that a little deeper is that sometimes in life we can get in a rut. So sometimes we can start to do things without remembering why we even started it in the first place. So for example, if you're married, uh, your spouse, your husband or wife, you can say I love you and kiss them out the door uh, a thousand times, but at the end of the day, you, you may just do that out of habit instead of actually loving that person. And then uh, maybe if you have a mother or a father that, uh, you know, this was, uh, if you're taking out the trash for them, if you uh, do that a thousand times, uh, sometimes it's easy to get in that rut as well and not remember that you actually love them and respect them as you should and then even with church, if you have been coming here for five years, 40 years, maybe it's just the thing you do on Sundays. Um, but sometimes we can get in that rut uh, of coming to church without actually dedicating our life to God and abiding in Jesus. And so the heart matters when we're talking about faith issues. And that's not to say that all of those things are good or bad. Um, sometimes they're just a representation of the love we have for a church or your spouse or your, your mom or dad, but sometimes that's just an outpouring of your love for them. And so instead of living through the motions, Jesus calls us to something deeper. And he, he, today's big point is it is a heart change. It's a heart change. The heart matters. And this means a lot to me because I grew up in the church um, adolescent Tyler, I, I grew up in the church. I knew what to do. And my salvation story involves, you know, just going through the motions. So I sat where you sat, not literally in this church, but I sat where you sat. I served in kids' ministry. I dressed the part. I knew how to smile. I knew how to act towards people. All the while, I was not actually a Christian. And so I have a picture here of uh, babyface Tyler. And that was one time when I was on a missions trip. That was just last year. No, I'm joking. That's, without this beard, you wouldn't respect me because I would look like I'm in high school. Um, but that, at that point there, I was a Christian. At that point, I understood what I was doing was an outpouring of my love for Jesus. But there are times in my life where I can say I was doing so many good things and going through the motions without a love for Jesus. And it's possible and so in this parable that Jesus uh, has brought up is that we learn that there are two ways people approach God. And that is our first point. And there are two ways people approach God. And we learn that in Luke 18. So if you would, open up your Bibles. There's gonna be, uh, it's going to be up on the screen here as well. But in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, we're going to learn about two ways people approach God. So starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with content. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this, 
God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So I often like to storyboard, put yourself in the shoes of this specific story. It obviously didn't happen. It's a fictional story that Jesus told. Uh, But I want this sermon to be interactive. So the first question I have is, where were they? Where were these, where was the Pharisee and the tax collector? Temple complex, yes. And so I have a picture of what a temple complex would have looked in the day. This may or may not be the exact same one, but the Pharisee probably would have, yes, I have a laser pointer. Let that be known. I have a, uh, and so the Pharisee probably would have been standing within the centermost point of the temple complex, praying, and Jesus even said that he was looking down on the tax collector. So the tax collector probably would have been in the Gentiles' courtyard, and that's an area where those who were non-Jews or those who were social outcasts would have been worshiping God. So that's the specific location. That's a real place that actually existed that Jesus brought up. And the second, who were the characters in the story? So we know where, who were the characters? Pharisee and a tax collector. So the Pharisee, was, they were normally viewed as law-abiding. They were very patriotic to the Jewish nation. They followed the law very closely. They would have been seen, if Jesus brought this up in his parable, uh, immediately people would have thought of them as the good guys. Um, and so the tax collector, on the other hand, Jesus brought him up, would have been seen as the bad guy. And if you're familiar with the Gospels, Jesus chose a tax collector to be one of his 12 disciples. And his name was? It was Matthew, yes. And so Matthew was a tax collector, and tax collectors in the day were people who, uh, who were Jews, but they essentially worked for the Roman Empire. And so these people would collect the taxes just like the IRS does for us. They would collect taxes from the Jews and give those taxes completely to the Roman Empire. Now, differing with the IRS, sometimes we see uh, our money go to the IRS and be repaid into uh, public service or road construction, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But with this money that they received from the Jews and gave to the Roman Empire, they wouldn't see a cent of that. And they were often seen as liars and cheaters because they would often take more than what they would actually ask for and just pocket it themselves. So... Jesus says, tax collector, they go, that's the bad guy in the story. So we have two very stereotypically divided people. And the last question, what was the plot of the story? They were praying, but how did the Pharisee approach God? How did the Pharisee approach God? He was boastful, self-righteous. And then the tax collector, how did he approach God? Yes, humble. Um, and so this is the, these are the two ways people approach God, is that the Pharisee approached God in a way of saying, look at everything I've done. And with, with that point, I actually have something pretty interactive here. I have a whiteboard. And so I'm going to bring this up. And so I want you guys 
to list a couple of the things that the Pharisee actually did towards God. So what, how did he show his dedication towards God? I need three things. Tithes. He tithed. That's one. Fasted. Excuse my terrible handwriting. And the last one, tithe, fasted, and he prayed. Yeah. And then in the beginning of that section, he was saying that he wasn't like the tax collector. He wasn't like the extortioner. So he, he, he almost claimed that he didn't sin in certain ways. So we'll get to the other side of that pretty soon. But the tax collector approached God in a way of saying, look, God, look at everything I've done. Aren't I amazing? And then the tax collector is over here beside the, beside the Pharisee on his knees, beating his chest in tears, saying, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. So two very different ways. Think about your own life. Who do you represent in this story? And so we come to find out is that the way of the kingdom is a heart matter. Uh, let's catch up in verse 14 of chapter 18 there. This is the last verse in this section. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, meaning the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's powerful, isn't it? So Jesus tells us that the tax collector is actually the hero of the story. He is the one who went down to his house justified. The kingdom of God, the way of the kingdom is a heart matter. So we all want to go to heaven, right? But what is our motivation? Is it coming to church here? Is it just uh, to, get, to have eternal life in heaven? Is it to get riches? Or is it to spend eternity abiding with our creator, God? Think about your motivation of wanting to get to heaven. Because here, Jesus clearly claims is that the way of the kingdom is a heart matter, and the tax collector is the one who humbly submitted to God, claiming that he was a sinner. And so Jesus put it succinctly. I love Jesus. We all love Jesus, right? But man, Jesus put it so well. He's that he says, praise yourself, and God will humble you. Like he's gonna put you in his place, he's gonna put you in your place. And if you humble yourself, God will praise and honor you. And so I saw this in my own life. In all areas of my life as I grew up and uh, found uh, Jesus in my own way, I found that when I got on my knees and I gave my life to him and I praised him for who he was and I stopped holding life in a closed fist and I just gave control over to him, I found peace I found freedom, and I found love. And I pray that all of you can say the exact same thing. And so let's, let's finish this checklist here. What are some of the ways that you yourself can show dedication to God? Besides these three, because that would be cheating. What are three things that you can do? Serve. In whatever ministry. I like that. Anything else? Read his word. Sorry, what was that last one? Tell others. It's like evangelism. So serve, read the word, and tell others. All great things. I don't put these things on the whiteboard to say, don't do these things. But when we think about how the way of the kingdom is a heart matter, 
when you start with these things, these things can become idols or gods in themselves. And that is my testimony when I grew up, is that when I grew up, I placed these things on a pedestal that they should not have been. I went through the motions and thought that if I just sit in this seat at church, if you just sit in that seat where you, right, where you are right now, that, hey, that's, that's the way to the kingdom. And that's not the case, is that Jesus says the way of the kingdom is a heart matter. He praised the person who is on his knees rather than the person who is saying, look at all of these things that, that I have check marks. So imagine I checked those off. I should have checked those off. But being here at church is not a check mark to get into heaven. It's not. And so if you want to experience the way of the kingdom, a life lived as an apprentice to Jesus, then you have to focus inwardly on your own heart first. So, doing all these things, if you check all those things off, if you uh, sit in your chair and stand and sit when we tell you in the service and give your money to the church and serve people and tell others and do all these things, if none of that qualifies you for the kingdom, then what does? What qualifies you? Which is our last point. What qualifies you in Jesus' eyes? And the simple answer is faith in Jesus, a humble attitude to Christ, this tax collector here who's on his knees praising Jesus. Uh, it's said that faith is so easy a child can receive Jesus. And I always like to say the ABCs of salvation is that you admit you're a sinner, A. B, you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for you, and can, you confess, C, that he is Lord and Savior of your life. Pretty simple. And for me, who grew up in the church, I look at that and say, that is, that's, that's too easy. Like, shouldn't I be doing some of this? And you should, but it should be an outpouring of what happened here first. You should love and abide in Jesus, and naturally you will tell others, you will serve and do all of those things. And another really important point of this parable, too, is he makes the tax collector here the hero of the story. Somebody who was seen as a social outcast, somebody who had lied and cheated and stole and, and done all these terrible things. And the point of that is that you are never too far gone for God's love and his mercy. Think about in your mind somebody who you believe is so far gone, so corrupt, so lost, that they could never find Jesus. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Just think through, think through your life right now. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you're thinking, man, God, I have done so many terrible things. I've, I've hurt so many people. How could you ever forgive me? How could you ever accept me? And so I just want, friends, like Jesus claiming that this person was justified, the tax collector was justified, is a reason to believe that even the worst of us can be redeemed. And that's so encouraging to me. Jesus obviously believes the worst of us can find him. Uh, Craig Groeschel put it really well in this quote here. He says, there's no sin too great for God's grace. There's no habit too big for his healing, and there is no label too strong for his love. 
So I want to say you are never too far gone. God can fix you. Do you believe that? Because, man, that is the crux of salvation, is that you are a sinner, I am a sinner, God has saved me, and he can save you. So salvation can be yours today. Today, like right now. And that's so encouraging to me, that salvation can happen just in an instant, rather than years and years of doing all those things and sitting in the seat that you're in, it can happen today for you. So no matter where you are in your faith today with Christ, you are here for a purpose. You're not only standing and sitting when we tell you are sitting in the seat, you're not just warming the seats for the next service, uh, but you have the greatest opportunity that has ever been given to mankind to find freedom in the person of Jesus Christ. Man, that's so good. And so no matter who you are, what you've done, what's been done to you, Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting to change your thoughts, your motivations, your entire life. And all you have to do is that list. No, all you have to do is humbly get on your knees and say, God, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. I give my life to you. That's it. And he will change you from the inside out like you would never believe it. So like this tax collector, let's fall on the mercy of God. Let's confess that we are broken, weak, needy sinners. And if that's your heart this morning, let's, let's look at the cross for salvation and joy and peace. And on this weekend, the, the real freedom that we need. So here's the invitation. Will you take it? Uh, let's, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We mean that. We, we love you. Um, we understand that salvation is a heart matter. And we thank you for this story that Jesus has told. We praise you, Father, for what you're doing here at this church. Uh, we do praise you for the good things that are happening. I pray that for every single person in this place that you would change our hearts from the inside out. Help us to find you with with peace and the love and the freedom that you can offer. We praise you for this example of a lowly tax collector uh, to serve as an example that any of us can find true freedom and peace. And if it's your heart this morning that you want to be saved, pray with me. Father, I admit that I am a sinner. I am in need of you. I cannot do this life without you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died and you rose again, and I confess that you are the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I give my life to you, and I pray that you would change my life from the inside out. Mold me and make me to be a true follower of you, Jesus. Would you do a great work on my heart and help me to use that to do so many good things for this community, for my family, and for everyone else around me. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.